1: Hello, everybody. Welcome along. Welcome back. I don't know what I'm welcoming you to, but I do know it's the fourth Italian football podcast. Don't know what season, don't know what match week, but look, we're here. I am your usual host, Connor Clancy, and I'm joined as ever by Kev Pugelski and Vito Doria. But we'll just let you straight in. We were talking just before we started recording about that topic of not really knowing what's going on. And Kev, I felt this at the Tardini yesterday. I still feels like last season.
2: Yeah, um, it, it, I was going to say that the churn the churn of players isn't, you know, as as frequent as you'd expect because of the short period, you know, we're still in a transfer window. And you kind of, I was sat there running through some of the highlights today before coming on air. And it, it's only when you sort of see a, fl- a glimpse of a, a new kit or someone's wearing a new number. And, to, you know, because there are so many of the same players on the pitch. I think Ube was the, the, the one game where, I felt that there were enough new players, actually, that it didn't feel like I was watching another game. But, you know, the others, it is those sort of very small things. And because we've still got no fans in the, uh, majority of uh, fans aren't back in the stadiums, that um, it does just feel like we're still in this lockdown. And there, yeah. I even suggest that we could be
1: um, having restrictions
2: yeah. on our daily lives in the coming months.
1: Yeah, Vita, do you think this is going to be a, a theme that continues for the next few weeks and then, Is that something that you've already seen the tempo of these early season matches resemble pre season games? And by the end of the season, I mean, leading into a a potential European Championship, the players are just going to be dead on their feet, right?
3: Well, it's possible. And the way things have uh, started off, it does feel that with most teams, because of the lack of transfer activity, that they're pretty much uh, continuing as they were, say, six, seven weeks ago?
1: Hmm. We'll start with, I suppose, where we always tend to start at the beginning of the season. At the top, we'll go to the champions first. Juventus, uh, the most new-look team in Serie A this season. They've got Andrea Pirlo on the bench, strangely. Um, he coached his first-ever game at the weekend at any level, which was nice to see. There's an in. They've got a few new signings and Kev. They looked quite good.
2: Um, yeah, like you said, I mean, it's because it's early. You know, it's still pre-season. Even though there's been a really short break, I think if I'm a UVA fan, I'm looking at this and looking at the performances of the players that came in. Kolesovsky looked uh, impressive. McKenney looked impressive. Even you know, Aaron Ramsey, you know, had one of his better games, uh, and that's probably the positives to take. Um, with the players that are sort of being integrated back into the side. But Samp were, and I'm sure Vito will support this, relatively cautious. But again, that can be a part of coming back and starting a season and you're sort of trying to find your rhythm and find your fitness again.
1: How surprised were you by Weston McKennie in particular? I think everybody who's listened to me, and you've listened to me more than most over the last 12 months, would have just expected Kulusevski to do what he did. But McKennie is someone who arrived with, a lot of scepticism. I mean, when he made the move, people were saying that he, he wasn't good enough for Juve. He wasn't good enough for a mid-table Serie outside side in, in some cases, but he was dominant. Yeah,
2: yeah I, was, I was surprised by the move. And also, I, I, don't, I haven't watched a great deal of Schalke, so I didn't really know what to expect. So I suppose rather than being sceptical, I was fairly open-minded as to what he'd bring the side. So I don't know if I was impressed or unimpressed, because I've never really seen him before, but he was certainly, it was certainly a solid performance. You, you know, you got exactly what you out, uh, wanted from him in the you know the midfield there, and um looks like it's a bit of a stupid business.
1: You touched on Aaron Ramsey as well, Vito. I'll bring you in here. He played in a slightly different role to what we had seen him play under Maurizio Sarri. Is this something that you could see him thriving in as the season goes forward, or was it just because he was up against um, weaker opposition in Sampdoria?
3: In Ramsey's case, I reckon that uh, it might be the start of something better for him this season. Uh, from his last couple of seasons or so, or at least from what I've noticed of Aaron Ramsey of Arsenal, I must admit I didn't watch a lot of the Gunners, but uh, he seemed to thrive when he was playing behind the strikers or more advanced than most of the other midfielders. So I think... The way Pirlo used him against Sump really brought the best out of him and uh, it might be better for Pirlo Zilber and for Ramsey as a player that he's playing that way. Uh, From what I saw of him against Sump, he was able to link up much better with his teammates. Um, He was able to sort of drift around and position himself much better than what he did under Sarri. I think with uh, Sari he struggled to really fit into a particular role because uh, Sari, especially since he left Empoli, he hasn't really played with a uh, Artista or someone playing in between the lines. He's played with a standard 4-3-3. So I think now with the new formation and uh, a different idea of football, um, maybe we'll see a much better Aaron Ramsey for this season.
1: What are you expecting to see from Pierlos Juve as a whole? Because you would imagine that if Dybala comes back, he will displace either Kudusiewski or Ramsey in that team. He started with a back three, went to the 3-5-2 almost that he played in at Juve. Danilo Bonucci and Chiellini were the back three on the night. And Is this something you'd expect to see going forward? Or Delict will surely slot into the back three and they'll take shape between now and Christmas, really?
3: I reckon that Delict will probably take Danilo's place, at least I'd hope he would. And we also still have to take into consideration that Killini, at 36 should not be expected to play the whole duration of the season. I wish nothing bad upon Killini, but I'm very sceptical if he can play for such a long time without picking up another injury. So either way, um, if Killini gets injured, at least... Yuva can count on Delicto when he's fit. Mary Demirel came on towards the end. So they still have uh, some depth in their squad. And at least they've got rid of some players, such as uh, Blase Matuidi and uh, Gonzalo Higuain. So at least in that aspect, uh, uh, Pirlo has some players to work with. And, you know, despite what Matuidi and Higuain achieved in their careers, I think based on last season, it's like, they got rid of the deadwood. They are able to sort of start a little bit fresh.
1: As a whole, really, as I mentioned, DiBala wasn't there. Kerr started on the bench, came on late on. And Arthur Melo stayed on the bench for the, the entirety of the game. There's There are positive signs here, Kev, for, for Pirlo and Juve. But given that Samp and I'm sure Vito won't mind me saying this, didn't do all that much at all, I think it's fair to say, is there a risk that this result is kind of being overblown because of the romanticism of it? It's peerless first game there's the the new kids and pressing, or are they justified in getting excited
2: I think it's been um blown up a little um you know Sam kept them at bay well um kept it at one nil till close to ten minutes from the end um i I, I kind of feel. Bad for Pirlo taking the job in the circumstances he's got because I think um, the conditions that they're playing under, the frequency of games, the shortened season is going to lead a bit lead to a bit of unpredictability this year. But um, also, if they if they walk it, if they walk the league again, well, uh, there's a point between them and Inter last year. But if they win the league again, Inter will get um, Pirlo will get hailed as this sort of great manager, and maybe um, we won't actually know. Um, in a normal, if we use the, the term normal season, um, how well he would have done. Um, I I did read an interview um, a week or so ago where he said he, was, he would take lots of things from all the managers that he worked under and wanted to have a more fluid outlook on formations and tactics. But I think what you do find with coaches is they generally find something that works for them. So it'll be interesting if he if he does follow that philosophy of being very fluid or he, he sort of sticks with a team, say November, December onwards, and we, we kind of see what his, his, his go-to formation will be.
1: That's strange, isn't it? Because we've never been in a situation like this where he is as rookie a coach as you can get. He had never taken a train set, training session at any age level and never had overseen a match at any level. And now he's just walked into the the champions. So it's a strange situation. It's going to be interesting, whatever happens. If they win the league again, that's an interesting story because Pirlo has walked in and things have just kept hiding over. And if they don't, obviously it's a scandal because they're going for 10 in a row and Juve not winning the league will be a crisis, obviously. But... The game did have fans in attendance, and the first game to have had fans in attendance came earlier that day, and I happened to be there, It was the, the lunch match, as they call it, the 12.30 kickoff between Parma and Napoli. And Kev, I'm not quite sure how it came across on the TV, because I was watching the other games on, on the computer, so, you know, you tend to get a little bit distracted turning the volume down or whatever, but it was amazing having some fans back in the stadium
2: yeah i've watched some games without crowd noise when there's been no crowd and and some with the um sort of filtered or you know the television produced um crowd noise and it it, it felt a little more um well it was real if you like you know you, you didn't have sort of random songs playing at parts of the game where nothing was happening you know when when the game hits a lull, then you know fans will generally quiet down apart the from there's rare stadiums across the world where they just go mental for sort of ninety minutes solid. So um, yeah, it was kind of nice to have that sort of normality back a little bit.
1: I was actually blown away by how much it impacted me, by being there walking up to the stadium the the roads were still open. Where, whereas when there are fans at stadiums as normal, the roads are closed. So I was walking up thinking, I wonder if there are going to be any fans even here. Because it was announced quite late on the Friday that it was happening. Tickets never went up for sale because they went to sponsors on that first. But then when I was walking through after getting my accreditation, seeing people walking in at the same time as me across the little laneway where the buses drive in, it was it really did take me back. It was quite a nice feeling. I was just smiling beneath my mask, to be honest. And then getting into the stadium and just seeing those little dotted people around the yellow seats was quite nice. And I was particularly surprised by the noise that was actually generated. So there, there, weren't, there wasn't any chanting. There were, was one occasion when they tried to generate it, palm up, palm up, but it just didn't work. Um, but the noise, whenever a chance came, was like it was a a normal stand you know you got that wave the the press box at the Tardini is at the opposite end of where the fans were but the way the noise carries it, it goes up and then along the stand and it really did feel like being back at a football game I'm disappointed that Palmer didn't score just because I would have liked to to hear that sound again
2: so so someone eager to get back to Italy and also to get into games uh, here. How are they doing the distribution? I saw Milan tonight had, had handed their their allocation of
1: tickets to um, key workers, obviously. Are
2: they on a club
1: this? by club basis? So basically, the government allow allow a certain number of fans, and then the regional governments decide if they're going to adopt that allowance. Um, so, for example, Emilia Romagna were the first to say, "Yeah, we're having fans back in." which is why it was announced earlier that Parma and Cescola were going to have fans. Then with the tickets, the clubs decide what they want to do with them. Uh, Parma, I had been told weeks ago that Parmas were going to sponsors first. I don't know the thought process behind that, but I I know that had always been the plan. Um, Mm. Milan, obviously, really nice gesture from them. You would like to see other clubs follow suit. But apparently the next step is not just to increase by another thousand, but to jump to 25 percent of capacity, uh, which, you know, it's interesting because I think in Germany you've seen stadiums to an eighth of the capacity and that has looked quite good. I would like to see smaller steps taken before jumping straight up to 25 percent. But I mean, I'm not in any sort of position to comment on what they should be doing. You know, it's just a feeling for me. But, yeah, um, once they get up to 25%, which, I don't know, could happen quite soon if there isn't another complete lockdown, which is also possible, I, I would imagine it will go to season to get holders first. And
2: yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah that. I, saw some, I saw some French clubs doing a ballot. You know, they do like a draw for, mm. for purely for season to get holders, and there's no away fan, which I'm taking it. Not that, you know, some cases they didn't travel in great numbers in, in Italy. Um, but I'm assuming that not even considering um, away fans at this point.
1: To be honest, I haven't heard. But my suspicion would be that you won't see an away fan at a game this season, because why would you? You know, there's no need for people to be travelling um, that distance for a football match. But what I was what you were saying about that? Um, back in Ireland, my my local team, Bray Wanderers, they have been. They had been letting fans in, then fans weren't allowed in anymore, but now fans are back allowed in. And I know when I was home back at the beginning of August, there was a a system where they had, I don't know exactly how it worked, but they appeared to offer tickets to different people who had season tickets. So if there were 300 season tickets and there were 60 people allowed into a game, they would offer it to 60 people and then If those 60 people didn't want it, they'd offer to another 60. But they seem to have different batches of people who, right, this week it's your turn, this week it's your turn, this week it's your turn. Uh, My dad got quite lucky and managed to get into quite a few games. I don't know how he managed to get around the system like that, but he found himself being invited more often than others. Uh, And he was back in this week as well. So it seems like there are ways of working it. And it's not often that I get to talk about the League of Ireland, particularly the League of Ireland First Division as uh, a model that could potentially be followed. But there you go. Final note, it's really good to have fans starting to come back, but it is also important to note that this is still nowhere near what we were used to. 1,000 fans compared to, for example, 60-odd thousand every other week at San Zero. It doesn't compare, but it's, it's a step. And to be honest, it's something that I didn't expect to see this side of Christmas if you had asked me two months ago so we are making progress back to the football shall we Vito I saw one of your tweets about this game and while I thought you were harsh I also didn't disagree um, about the quality of the first half at the Tardini shall I let you explain
3: well I was making quite a few tweets about this game saying that was a Potential contender for being the worst game of all time. (laughs) I didn't think I could be so bored by a Serie A game. Um, Napoli were just passing the ball meaninglessly, and Parma were very static. It wasn't a case of them defending well. It was more just uh, they just happened to be there when Napoli tried to play a pass, but there were barely any noteworthy shots in the first half. And until Victor Oziman came on it was such a down and boring game it was like they were at walking pace no speed no movement and uh, barely any flair creativity or invention so a very dismal spectacle to watch until Gattuso decided to make some subs for Napoli and then we just saw a completely different game altogether
1: were you surprised by Parma? Because we, we've known them to be this solid counter-attacking team under Roberto Diversa in the last few seasons, but Fabio Oliverani's come in. Did you expect them to be a bit more gun ho
3: I did expect them to definitely have a bit more attacking verve or some sort of uh, attacking desire. But uh, this squad still looks like it's very much suited to Diversa's approach the football, and it looks like that uh, Liv is going to have uh, a lot of work on his hands if he's going to try and do something with this team, because the midfield, despite having uh, Gaston Brookman as a deep line playmaker and you have um, Hernani there, who are decent players on the ball, I think they still need a lot more flair, a lot more creativity in the middle of the park, and Liverani is a uh, staunch four three one two man, so I think he needs some support strikers, not wingers, for his uh, formation to work. Otherwise, once Napoli scored, uh, they didn't look like uh, they were capable of getting an equaliser. The Dukali they just looked very bland and very uninspired.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think they are obviously missing. Dejan Kruzevski so, so much, as any team would. But also the decision to play Kutska as the 10, I mean, that's not his skill set. He He's energy, he's fight, and he can play passes from deep, but he's not a 10. And uh, he spent, Livarani spent probably 90% of the first half talking to Kutska, telling him where to go, what to do. And you could see that, Kuzka wasn't comfortable where he was playing. And I just think, put him in that midfield three, the midfield improves, and prioritise signing someone who can play as a 10, as well as signing a different striker. Because in they, they went with Inglese and Cornelius up front together. And I just think that's a partnership that might be able to bully teams like Spezia or something like that. But against Napoli, I think you need a little bit more in attack. Cornelius and Inglese, they're they're both quite big guys, they're quite strong, and they can get about it, but you kind of need someone a little bit more technical as well to to complement the big man.
2: I think I'd repeat what I said earlier about the shortened preseason, particularly for coaches that are coming in, that you probably get a better idea about how they're going to play in a normal scenario, but they're going to be using some of these games to sort of suss out where they can use players differently, you know, maybe take a little bit longer to get their get their thoughts across to the players. So maybe, maybe that's part of this issue.
1: You would expect, so you were talking about um, kit numbers earlier, actually, Kevin. That's something that really threw me on Sunday because Ernani has gone from 10 to 25 or 23. Gemma Petzel has gone from 97 to 3. And Roberto Inglese, interestingly, has gone... He went from 45 to 9 and now he's gone back from 9 to 45. And I just wonder if that's a superstitious thing because last season was horrid for him obviously with injuries and he's gone back to 45 which is what he wore at Kievo as well when he was so good.
2: You might know this because you're there so often. But did Sepe go to 1 last season from 55 or was that is that happened over the summer as well? Ah, uh, he was number 1 last season. Ah, uh, okay. It threw me off. I thought I was 55, and then he made that error. And I thought, oh, no, it's still Seppi. It's fine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's back. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. Um, but, yeah, look, I don't think we need to talk too much about Parma on the pitch now. Because as they've done in recent seasons, they tend to do and probably will do their business in the last 10 days of the transfer window, which is which we're getting into now. And they do have a new president, a new owner, majority owner, 90% Kyle Kraus. Becoming the the fifth North American, the fourth American owner in sariano and Vito, what do you make of this? I actually I did meet Mr. Kraus on Sunday, and I will be meeting him again this week for for a quick coffee in Parma. So I'm intrigued to to pick his brain about his plans for for Parma. What are you expecting him to do, or what does he need to do?
0: Well,
3: well firstly, as I had said on Twitter after the game and just briefly just now is that he needs to give Liverani players for his formation to work. And uh, this Parmatini is certainly devoid of uh, creativity. So I'll, I'll be honest. I don't know how much capital he's got, how much he's worth physically. So I think at this stage, I don't expect uh, Krauss to just spend lavishly or to do what Parmalat did in the 1990s. I uh, If I really had to make a prediction, I'd say he should just try and build slowly, slowly, especially given the circumstances because of the pandemic and the fact that we're getting into a new season so quickly after the last one just finished. And just make sure that the team's competitive enough. So avoid relegation, probably aim mid-table, and then if you want to try and relive the glory days and try to push for Europa League football, Champions League football, or even finally get Parma the first Scudetto, um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm personally not expecting too many lofty expectations as yet.
1: Mm, I, I don't know how much Kraus himself is worth, but his convenience store chain, uh, Come & Go, which made him his money, is valued at over $2 billion so quite a fair smack I would imagine might ask him see what he says see if he tells me that um, but on to Napoli then because the first half I don't want to say they were stale Kev but they were slow then in the second half they they did take advantage of space that opened up I, before I throw to you I know Victor Ozyman is getting a lot of credit for opening the game up but I actually think that was a really astute move from because the game had just opened up. Parma had a couple of chances and Napoli threatened as well. And then Ozzyman came on to exploit the space that already existed rather than creating the space. And I mean, he definitely did help to change the game in Napoli's favour.
2: Yeah, it was... um, The the highlights I saw certainly was cut to make it look um, like he'd had a huge contribution um, you know, as I say, but very little highlights from the first half, and then almost everything um was involved in his link up play, which it looked looked very good. Um I was I was a little concerned, not not because of the quality he's got, but maybe for Napoli because it it, it had a feel of uh, Nicolas Nicholas Pepe going to Arsenal for a sort of similar fee, you know, eighty million euros I think it can rise to or it um yeah, was agreed correct. to be. Uh, looks like a huge outlay for for an Italian club, particularly in the pandemic, particularly for a 21-year-old who, albeit, hit nearly 20 goals um, last season for, for Lille. But, um,
1: you know, the the first signs are, are very promising. Do you think Napoli gambled, expecting that someone would come in for Koulibaly? Because De Laurentiis said earlier this summer, I know it's September, but I'm in Italy now, so the weather's hot. So it feels like it's still summer. And because of the football season being weird, I'm referring to September as summer this year. So just, just get over it, guys. But did they expect to, to sell him? Because De Laurentiis did say at one point during the summer that um, he kind of regrets his transfer operations in recent years. And he should have been more willing to listen to offers rather than just setting unmeetable um, asking prices on his players' heads. So do you think he, he kind of said that, hoping that someone would say, here's 70 million for Koulibaly?
2: Well, there was a report that PSG uh, might yet still come in for Kulabali for that sort of um, figure. But, you, you know, you look at some of the business, you know, I, I always kind of revert back to the Cavani the deal, which they then went out and then acquired four or five really you know, better players than what they had there that sort of took them up a level. Whereas this would be almost just one in, one out for that money. And you just kind of feel that they could have got a better deal on a 21 year old with probably a season behind him than 80 million, maybe even 50 million would be a little bit more um, easy to accept.
1: Hmm. Vita, were you surprised that Gatuza didn't start Aussie men and Amir Rahmani as well.
3: Yeah, it was surprising, especially man. I really thought that he probably should have started or was probably good to get an idea to see if he would start. But uh, at least the substitution panned out well. Um, Hopefully for the next game he does start. And uh, yeah, I'm just intrigued to see how he keeps progressing because as Kev said, there was a I felt a bit of scepticism about uh, this deal largely based because of how Nicolas Pepe turned out uh, moving from Lille to Arsenal. It made me think, you know, do some of these players do well at Lille and then once they leave the comforts of uh, northern France or the club uh, there, do they feel lost outside of the system or um, is Luis Campos a uh, far more shrewder sporting director than... Uh, most people give him credit for, but uh, I, there are some promising signs there from the Nigerian striker, and uh, I think he adds a new dimension because at the start of the game, with the forward uh, line up had with Lozano, Mertens, and Insigne, it was a very short trio forward. forwards, so at least Ozyman, he adds a bit of height, pace, and he's very agile as well, so... I really think he adds something different. Then, of course, towards the end, Andrea Petagna came on. So he too can add a bit more strength and physicality to the Partenope attack.
1: Hey, Andrea, you said it. You said it. On Shirt sure, numbers again, Kevin, this is something that will maybe upset you because I know how much you love one of the players I'm about to mention. But I was briefly disappointed in the second half when I saw. Napoli's number seven, ready to come on. And I thought, oh, great. Here's Hong. I like watching him play. And then the reality dawned on me. And I thought, hang on, that doesn't look like Callihan. Oh, no. He's left, hasn't he? And it was little Elif Elmas coming on instead. I was a bit sad.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
2: Just you. <laughs> Just you. Yeah,
0: yeah I know. You
2: on, don't you? Yeah, I do, but I get more frustrated with um, when clubs unnecessarily like retire shirts. The one that really got me was after like a season at Malaga. Uh, Malaga attempted to retire 23 when he was, was signed to signed for Real Madrid, uh, Isco. And it, it it was just, and then the Spanish FA said, no, you have to have people, uh, shirt numbers um, up to 25, I think, assigned to individuals.
1: Uh, uh, I, I would imagine that's because he is from Malaga, isn't he, Isco? Maybe there was that. I know, I still don't agree with it. I still don't agree with it, but there you go. Um, Do you have Napoli finishing in your top four this season, lads?
3: I initially didn't. I still think they're good enough for Europa League spot, but really, really depends on how AC Milan track, because I did put them in my top four, but at the same time, in the last couple of years, when I've put Milan there, they Uh haven't finished there. And you would always got to take things with a pinch of salt as well. So just got to see what happens. But overall, I do think Napoli have some decent depth. And it's also up to Gattuso if he can sort of maintain the form and also get his squad rotations right.
1: I face that same internal battle, Vito, wanting to put Milan in my top four, but not wanting to. Because every time I do, it goes desperately wrong for them. But I did put them in my top four. I have them finishing in the Champions League places. Kev?
2: Um, well, as you know, as I was on, on holiday until this weekend, I was convenient. missing a lot of the requests to do our predictions. So I was doing it in my mind then. And um, no, I don't. So I think, I think there will be a, an, an air of familiarity about the, the finishing positions for a lot of sides. And although I expect Napoli to have a better season, I don't see them getting into the top
1: four. All right. Well, do you have Milan in your top four?
2: I, I have Milan probably is the only team to challenge the others you know, the, the you know, top four from last season that's your Inter
1: i going to talk that. about Milan now because they got their season started this Monday evening with a 2-0 win over Bologna and I mean th- there's going to be a point later on where I joke about forgetting what year it is but Zlatan Ibrahimovic scored twice for Milan to comfortably beat Bologna is it 2010 again Vito?
3: It feels that way when you see <laughs> these veterans who were stars or potential stars, well, in Zlatan's case, a superstar in that time, it does feel like that uh, we have gone in some sort of a time warp. But I think it just reflects on Italy having a great emphasis on trusting veterans, especially Italian coaches. Um, And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, Serie A does get that retirement league tag on social media from time to time. And, you know, the narrative, I think, can be a bit excessive at times. Sometimes there's truth in it. But at the same time, I think Zlatan is a exceptional uh, player and uh, very few players can do what he's doing at his age. So, yeah, it is concerning to have too many veterans in the league. But uh, I think it, with Zlatan, you just got to enjoy, enjoy his presence in Serie A while it lasts.
1: He is a freak, Kev, isn't he? He's he's thirty eight years old. He'll be thirty nine in about ten days' time. He's scored now in twenty three consecutive seasons, spanning over four decades.
2: Yeah, it, you know I can't remember what Vito just said there, but you know he, I think he might have called him unique, and and that's the thing. And you say, you know, it's I watched um, Montpellier over the weekend. Or was it last weekend? And they've got they've got Hilton, which is. 43. And I looked at him I thought, blimey, he's 43? Better condition than I am, certainly body-wise. And and Zlatan's the same. But with Zlatan, you've got... He's a player of, you know, unbelievable talent. And he's got this body that is keeping him in the shape that he's in to still perform. And I think actually that we could see him play well into his 40s, maybe. And maybe even the short spell um, in America where he was probably under less physical pressure, maybe just gave his body a little bit of a, a boost, you know, a bit of a recharge. Um, you know, the weather's lovely out in California, having friends that have spent 10 years out there, and maybe that's it. This will give him the ability to come on and, and kick on for another couple of years, maybe.
1: It's quite incredible that he, when they played Shamrock Rovers last week, obviously, Shamrock Rovers are um, the League of Ireland leaders at the moment. I'm getting two League of Ireland mentions in this week. That's, um, unprecedented and probably will never happen again. But they have an old pro themselves in Joey O'Brien, who Bolton, Sheffield Wednesday and West Ham fans might remember with varying fondness. But he's, he's 34. And there was a, a moment in the match where O'Brien lifted his shirts to wipe his face. And you saw Joey O'Brien's body. And he, I mean, he's not out of shape. But you just thought, okay, whatever. And then when Zlatan took off his shirt at the end of the match to give it to the ball boy, so uh, there's no way Joey O'Brien is five years younger than that. You know, it's it's just phenomenal. Ibrahimovic is in better shape than most twenty-five-year-olds.
2: I think there's positions on the pitch as well where you can you can play, um, you know, a little bit longer. You know, Italy was always famed for the. Sort of aging centre half. Or I sort of think of, um, Wieckowod and Costa curta uh, You know, obviously Maldini, and and and. But I, I think the the type of striker that Ibrahimovic is um, allows that. You know, he's not a sort of scuttling sort of wide attacker. So you you can see him sort of all the interplay, the link up play. You using his physicality and that sort of physique of it. So fair play to. Him.
1: Is it. Has it become a league now, Vito, where rather than ageing defenders um, cut their or make their money, it's, it's ageing strikers? Because in the last few seasons, we've seen Luca Toni, Fabio Quagliarella, Francesco Totti, Antonio Di Natale, Gianpaolo Pazzini all do quite well at the back of 30. Zlatan could be the first to do it at the back of 40, but it's definitely a trend, isn't
3: it? Oh, it certainly is. And... Uh... I think it's also proof that Italian coaches do prefer to have uh, proven players or far more experienced players, so they're happy to persist with them. They probably have to give them less instructions, so it's easier for them to coach the veterans. Um, Without sounding too cliché, it is a slower league than uh, most of the other major European leagues, so I think that lower tempo or low intensity uh, favours the veteran strikers. And you still need to rely on football smarts. And as the old cliche goes, the older you get, the wiser you get. So that's where the football smarts really have to come to the fore. And if they can uh, utilise that properly, I think there have been quite a few in the last decade that really have uh, made the most of it.
1: Yeah, completely agree even Miroslav Klose is someone that I forgot to check off on that list as I was going through I just checked his age he's 42 now retired four years ago so that was with Lazio when he was what 38 not by going having joined them at 32 as well Uh, Milan we've kind of gone away from them which their fans I mean if there are any Milan fans who still listen they won't be too pleased about but Vito give them some praise
3: so far so good a very good start I mean, I think it's important for them to get the win, especially after having such a poor start last season. And, uh, you know, they they do have Zlatan. Uh, it's very easy to say that they do build the team around him. But as uh, we were saying quite a few times towards the end of last season, uh, I think uh, having him there has really lifted the confidence of the rest of the side. They've made some new signings as well. And... Uh, I expect them to at least fight for Europa League spot. Whether they get into the Champions League, we we'll have to wait and see, but I think the younger players that they're having there, they can help uh, build a better Milan side for the future.
1: We spoke about Ibrahimovic, but I think that's been the only thing we could really speak about for the last nine months about Milan, because we, we joked about it last season, how Big of a difference he made. He was saying they would have won the Scudetto if he was there the whole season. But is it is it concerning Kev that I mean he is their only real goal goal scoring option, and if he gets injured, which at thirty nine he might well do, you look around the squad and you don't really know who else is going to score goals for them.
2: No, but I'd I'd take positives in unlike at the start of last season, Pioli's come in, obviously Zlatan's come in and made a huge difference, but he's finally getting more out of the team than you would probably expect individually of the players that you've got there. You know, I spoke a lot last season about sort of having kind of Europa League level players, but actually they, as a team, um, they're sort of getting more than the sum of their parts. Uh, and actually, if, if Antti Rebic, can continue the form of the latter part of last season, I think they'll still get goals there. Um, so they'll pick up points. But, uh, you know, if, if Zlatan was to get a, a bad injury, like I think he got in his last year at United, um, you, you'd worry about their Champions League credentials, but you'd think they'd still be able to secure Euro- European football.
0: Mm.
1: On to another, maybe two teams who will be wanting to achieve European football. There was a goalless draw in Verona on... Saturday evening. Verona played Roma, drew nil-nil. Verona were unlucky not to win, but it needn't matter because they're probably going to get three points anyway. Have you guys seen this story?
0: Yeah, you, I read it,
2: read it today, yeah.
1: Do you remember when Yaya Torre got annoyed because Man City didn't buy him a birthday cake? Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. effectively what's happened here, right, with, with Amadou Diouara. He was 22 last season so when Roma submitted their squad list for this season they just assumed he was still 22 and didn't have his birthday in July so they submitted the squad list without him on it because you don't have to put players under 23 on the squad list. He played despite not being registered to play in Serie A this season and he played basically the whole game. I think it was 89 minutes. 89. Obviously it flagged up and Roma are probably going to be awarded a 3-0 defeat. I mean... Oh.
2: I thought you were going to tell us for a moment there that they'd actually given him a birthday cake and still <laughs> put it on at, uh, <laughs> it-
1: <laughs> I don't know what would be worse, though, to be honest. Just forgetting that their players have aged. Did they not cast an eye over it? Surely when you've got these squad lists, you're literally... They're probably computerised, right? So you can get the computer to do the maths, and anyone that's above 23, you register them. It just seems like such an oversight that it, you'd be embarrassed if it happened to your, your Sunday League side. For this to happen to Rome, I was mad.
2: Yeah, but you'd think that you just register everybody, and anybody under 23, uh, 20, yeah, under 23 doesn't just count on your 25 percent quota, because I think that's what the quota was that I read yeah. in the article um, on our very site and um and then you know they just sort of deduct it so then if you try to register somebody else they tell you you know that you know that you, you know so you would just register everybody i don't I don't understand this need to not register everybody but you know, so that's just bizarre
1: i know uh, i haven't played football manager for a couple of years now but when i used to play football manager you had the little squad list and it would have a little symbol beside the player's name under 23 doesn't need to be registered honey Roma, get the people of Football Manager to do some of your admin for you. It'll save you a lot of stress. Um, I know people <laughs> at Roma listen to this as well, so I have a word upstairs, guys. Uh, but it's an absolutely farcical situation for you, not it?
3: Oh, it's uh, an example of uh, gross incompetence. I mean, this is the sort of stuff you, know, you shouldn't be expecting from a club for, like Roma or any other decent club in one of uh, Europe's major leagues. Uh, it's very amateurish on the part. Just very, yeah, uh, just careful on that. But uh, yeah, just, uh, yeah, just so simplistic. And you talk about how things could have been computerized. Let's say it was computerized. You've got to wonder if it was computerized, are Roma using Windows 98 or something?
2: <laughs> really?
3: Get do, do, do. X10 or whatever. Get a new laptop or something, Roma. <laughs> Update your stuff. <laughs>
2: Do either of you want to predict that in eight months' time we'll be talking about Roma missing the Europa League by the point that they lost?
1: Yeah, 100%. 100%. (laughs) By
2: Champions League.
1: And Verona will get it. All goal difference. Uh, It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. But there you go. Welcome to Italy. Vito, were you surprised pleasantly by Verona, given they've lost most of their best players from last season? But they, they looked quite good.
3: Well, they did. And also, speaking of missing players, they missed the best player, in my opinion, Sofia Namra but He's gone to Fiorentina. So to get at least a point as things stand without him is a big uh, plus for them. Uh, Marco Silvestri made some uh, fine saves in goal for the Blue, And they probably should have won this game because th- the woodwork uh, came to Roma's rescue. Uh, and they probably would have been some nice goals. I forgot who took the shot for the first one, but Federico Di Marco could have scored a real belter towards the end. And uh, yeah, I'm sure that they'll be happy if they do get awarded three points here. But that being said, they probably should have got the points in the 90 minutes anyway.
1: Amrabat's new club, Kevi, didn't play. Fiorentina did, though. And they beat Torino 1 0 thanks to a Gaetano Castro of late in the second half. Alistair McKenzie was there for us. He did say in his post-match piece that Fiorentina desperately need a striker, which was something that I said many a time last season as well. And it's good to see Castrovilli score with the number 10 on his back in particular, but is a lack of firepower up front going to hold them back at times?
2: I think it's held them back previous seasons. Um, You know, I think that because of the age I am, um, you know the, the the team that you always go back to is when Batistuta was, you know, dragging them up the league. I know they had you know better players in support like Rui Costa. Um, I think maybe this weekend the wastefulness of Kuame sort of hammers home how much they need a um sort of prolific striker if we call him that because I actually rate Kwame quite highly, but he should have probably had at least two or three goals. I think I saw you. Uh, tweet about that over the weekend, Vito. You must have been watching the game. Um, Yeah, I watched watched it in full. But yeah, they need a no.
3: Well, if it wasn't for Salvatore Sirigu, uh, Fiorentina probably would have won this game if I was 6-0. And Kuyami in particular was uh, particularly wasteful. Uh, Some of it you can give credit to Sirigu for making some good saves. Otherwise, Kuyami you'd think... uh, Probably his uh placement of the headers could have been better, but uh, they do have young strikers, Kuyame, Patrick Kutrone, and uh, Dusan Dushan Vlaovic. Um they do need someone who is proven. So I think mean, that would make a world of difference. Or or hopefully um for Jakini's sake, Kutrone or Vlaovic just uh you know, just blossom out of nowhere and score a flurry of goals.
1: Mm. what have you made of fiorentina's transfer business this summer then because to be honest i've been quietly impressed by it i think bringing in bonaventura and borca valero have been really fruit signings and then obviously amrabat's come in as well they've got duncan kwame and who's the other one i can't remember oh never mind it's igor uh, but they made a couple of good signings in january too fiorentina Slipped under the radar finishing mid table last season despite not being great. Are they Europa League contenders?
3: I think the squad is uh, capable of uh, qualifying for the Europa League. But it, uh, and uh, Iachini probably has the best squad that he's ever worked with on paper. Uh, he did coach Palermo five years ago, where they did have uh, Paulo Di Balla, Franco Vasquez up front, Balotti on the bench. I think Stefano Sorrentino was having a spell at Palermo too before going back to Chievo. So there were some decent players there, but this is a much better squad to work with. I think Fiorentino actually got a really good midfield, some good technicians, some quality players who can do something on the ball, and Pulgar is a ball winner and also someone who can distribute the ball. He's good at dead ball situations, but... Uh, uh, my only concern is if uh, his three-five-two is really the best way to utilize all those players at once or if he's got to show some flexibility and change the formation because the, there is some talent there to work with. But, um, yeah, just very skeptical about Iacchini. And I do think that, yeah, if they did have someone like a Luciano Spalletti or Maurizio Sarri, they would be a shoo-in for the Europa League.
1: I'd agree with that. I, I tweeted at the time, I think Yakini getting an extension was a, a dreadful decision. I mean, he's still playing Federico Chiesa as a wing-back. You know, that's, that's not where you want him to be playing.
2: Kev? Yeah, but you know, regardless of the coach, it feels like this is the third sort of uh, start to a season where we spoke positively about Fiorentina's transfer business and then nothing comes of it. I don't know what they're putting in the water in Florence, but something seems to affect them when they move uh move to the club.
1: Were we positive about them last season?
2: Well, maybe we weren't positive, but maybe actually I'm just following too many people. Um some <laughs> some formerly of this pod um that talked to <laughs> about the uh, um about their transfer business. But it certainly got me i well, not like I was gonna say were excited. When's Kev ever been excited? Um but you know it certainly made me feel positive um about Fiorentina's <laughs> prospects and then as I say, nothing comes of it.
1: Okay. Um, on to the other instance this weekend that made me feel like we had gone back to twenty ten, which was Kev, Mattia Destro, and Goran Pandev both scored in the same game for the, for Genoa, and Genoa won four one. What's happening?
2: I, I don't know. I <laughs> obviously you know my allegiance to Genoa, and part of and that now is just now because um of uh, Vito's allegiance to Sampdoria. <laughs> but um, I don't want to get too excited because they were playing Crotone and it looks like Crotone could be in for uh, a, a long, hard season, which I think we would have expected them to have. Um, they look like they've made some good signings. You know, what we've just been saying about Fiorentina, it looks like they've actually got uh, more quality, if maybe not, you know, top-heavy in some places and there'll be gaps um, when the team's out on the pitch. But um, they had an attack in Verve. Destro turns up and reminds you that he's still... professional footballer sometimes Mm. you know where he is over Mm. the years (laughs) uh, and and and
1: finish was was lovely vita i'm gonna give you a right response
3: okay yeah well it goes to show that at least generally have made some signings and a thing to consider is that they were missing krishito lessa scherner stefano storaro and uh, there are probably a few others that aren't springing to mind either. And uh, Massiello wasn't playing either. So it probably wasn't their full strength team. And uh, Marco Piazza came on as a sub and scored. So um, I'm sure they'll be feeling very positive. And uh, Ro- Rolando Maran, he had a great start to last season with Cagliari. But I think that team was built around Neungerland. And then things just drop off for them. So um Hopefully, general fans don't get too arrogant and think they're going to win that 10th Scudetto. But, uh, yeah, good start for them. And (laughs) 10th, good start for them. um, Good start for Maran. But we'll see if they can maintain this form. Because for sure, you'd think with Preziosi, as soon as Maran starts losing two or three games in a short spell, he'll get sacked.
1: Okay, Davidez Apacosta scored a belter?
2: Mm. Yeah, well, it was one of those... When I was watching it. It was, it was trying to decide which was the the better goal. Um, you know, it was only a few weeks ago, we have uh, we were doing our end of season review and I always forget, you know, the, the goals and the games at the start of the season, that you probably put in your best game. So I've come out of a, a sort of system to ring them in red now in my notebook that I always make my Good. weekend notes from. Um, but you know a bit like Fiorentina when we're saying about the, the turnover of players General always seem to have a summer where sort of 15 players come and go and, and they never look any better at least this season they've got the likes of Costa in that albeit probably not areas they need to strengthen and he was playing off the left which I found quite unusual probably because I've mainly watched him on the right um, but it took his goal wonderful to drive in
1: see uh, Genoa are going to do well this year because they're following the SPAL model of the year they did well, which is form a, a mini Atalanta B side. They've signed Leonard Shibora, Filippo Malagoni, Andrea Maziello went there in January. So they know what they're doing. They're getting the Atalanta Bs in and they're going to be all right. Um, yeah, it was strange to see Zappa Costa play at left back because I don't think he's ever done that before. He definitely didn't do it at Atalanta. And I don't remember him doing it at Torino or Chelsea either.
3: No, no not even at Avellino. Not always yeah, think... a right wing back. But Paulo yeah. Gilione played on the right. He played well and uh uh he claimed uh, two assists for that game so yeah probably not a bad move to actually put Zappacosta on the left but yeah. again we have to see how they progress against uh, Better opponents than Crotone. And uh, to be honest, Crotone is probably my tip to finish on the bottom this season. I've actually got Spezia higher than them. Oh,
1: I think you might be alone on FIF in that one. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But but... Spezia, not much progress. (laughs) in (laughs) You couldn't let it out. You couldn't just say something nice about another Ligurian team. Yeah, to pull it back in.
3: No, actually, something and uh, Spezia, they've got a amicable friendship, but it's just more more the, the new boys They came through the playoffs and, uh, you know, with all seriousness, they got a thin squad. So we'll just have to wait and see. But I did say for our season predictions, although I do expect Spezia to go back down, I do hope they prove us wrong and spring a surprise because from what I've heard, at least about the coach, Vincenzo Italiano, he does want to play a very... Attacks, attacking stolen football, so hopefully he can spring
2: some surprises.
1: Good name, that is it? Italian Vincent.
2: Have they decided when Spets here are playing their games this season? Ooh, don't know. When or where?
1: Where, because I, I heard that their ground wasn't up to... Stand. Stand. So I think they're playing mm. their first in Chisanna, aren't they? Which is miles away, other Ooh. side of the country. Oh, um, But like when... Who was it? I think it might have been Cretone played at the beginning of that season. They, oh, came up and they played in Pescara which was I think closer to Atalanta when Atalanta played them away than it was to Cretone, which was madness but there you go. Um, welcome to Italy. In Reggio Emilia final game because there were only seven played S- Sassuolo played Cagliari Cagliari had 32% of the possession. Sassuolo had 33 shots so it makes sense that that's why i need an 87th minute free kick to escape with a one-hole Kev.
2: yeah it even in the highlights it looked poor um i think they dragged it out to something like two minutes 47 and that's the official Syria <laughs> and but, it's always four uh, yeah. minutes but uh, okay well they must have had a lot of talk, <laughs> which i skip through and then i turn it off um but yeah, no, it was a wonderful free kick to equalize um and actually, I was, quite, I was quite pleased to see Simeone score for Galleri. Um Hopefully he gets off because he, he had a baron spell last year. Um, but if he gets off to a good start, he generally has a good season.
1: I really like him. I really do like him. Even when he was at Fiorentina and getting a lot of stick, he even said himself that, look, the reason I don't score is because I run too much. And then by the time I've run and gotten into a goal-scoring position, I'm knackered so I can't shoot.
0: Yeah, but, it's, one of
2: those, it's one of those things where you wonder whether you like someone because of their industry as opposed to their artistry on a pitch. And Yeah, I suppose a lot of us do do that.
1: I think that's what it is with me, though. And There was an interview on Marco over the summer, actually, as well. With I can't remember which one of them it was. I think it was it was Diego Simeone who said, I'd love to have Giovanni Atletico, but I couldn't do that to him. Because I think he's the perfect player for my team, but I know if I signed him, everyone would just say you're only there because of your dad. But that would be such a good fit as well if you could accompany him with a, a proper elite striker like Luis Suarez, who they're going to sign. That would be an unbelievable front line. Joao Felix playing behind them, but we're not here to talk about Spanish football, are we? But yeah, I'd love to see them together somewhere someday. It would be amazing seeing them celebrate a goal. Oh, imagine the aggression. It would be incredible. Right. Um, any more for any more, boys? No, that's it for round one. Well, that's not quite it, Mr. Doria. Oh, yes. Oh, well, for hope... this podcast anyway. <laughs> I hope. No, even on that. It's not that. It's not it for this podcast because I hope you no. haven't forgotten. <laughs> we do have a game to play. Which one are we which one it's, it's doing? The good one. The like, are <laughs> going to in a, a match. So we're playing oh, the formation Serie A one, player. Yeah. Serie A player. New season, new start. 2019-20 champion, officially, Vito Doria. Vito, what does the C stand for in your name? Uh,
3: Concordio.
1: Vito Concordio Doria. concordio Kev last season. Uh, <laughs> is the reigning champion. Kev, I know you like that. I was a bit ashamed of myself. <laughs> um, but new season, new start, Kev. How are you feeling ahead of the first fixture of 2020, 2021? Oh, hugely confident, obviously. Okay. Can we talk about how difficult it is to say 2020, 2021?
2: Is it? Say it? Just twenty? I don't often go to 2020, though. I go to 2021 or twenty one twenty two 22 season.
1: No, but you wouldn't say 1920. You would have said 2019 20.
2: No, I'll do 1920. No, you didn't. You're a liar. Yeah, I, maybe I'm thinking, maybe I'm saying what I would usually write because I don't often write 20, 2021. 20, yeah,
1: 2020, 2020 well, It's It's difficult, really <clears throat> difficult. But anyway, let's um, not bore the listeners with that, shall we? We're going to bore them up in the next few minutes. Right. So, um, Vito, as reigning champion, you can choose. Do you want to go first, or do you want Mister Pogzowski to go first? Oh, Kev can go first. Oh, look at that! Look at that cockiness, Kev. Okay. Wow.
2: Well, I, I okay. So I've just thought of a. I've just thought of a, a plan that I'm gonna use every week for most of this, and assume that I'm gonna then pick up at least fifteen wins. Okay. No wait, there. That's wrong pick up at least 10 wins let's say 8 wins so first question is is it Bruno Alves <laughs>
1: <laughs> is that your like you could be more clever about it if you want to. are you really just going to start with is it Bruno Alves
2: yeah no yeah I'm going to start with is it Bruno Alves hoping to yeah. get in the game <laughs> and also that most of the time I will pick up at least 8 points <laughs> at least.
1: Um, it very nearly was but it isn't Bruno Alves,
2: see, now you're giving hints to Vito for the next question, aren't you?
1: (laughs) By saying that, no, as in, I very nearly chose Bruno Alves for the jokes, but I thought one of you might do that. No, it's not Bruno Alves. Vito, over to you. Okay, is this a Parma player? It's not a Parma player, no.
2: (laughs) Are they Italian?
1: No, they are not Italian.
2: Uh, oh, is that me again because i got... No,
1: I didn't get no, that. No, right. you got it wrong.
2: Okay. All right, Kivita. now...
3: i just go... Ooh, it's... Okay. All right. Um, pretty
2: general. Okay, is this team from the north of Italy?
1: They are not from the north of Italy. Okay.
2: Do they play for Napoli?
1: They don't play for Napoli. I think this is a good one, you know.
3: Ooh, okay. Jeez. All right. Are the they normal. from... Mm. All right, so... Can't not from the off. north. Not from the north. Not from... Not from Napoli. Okay, but... Is it from... Is this player from one of the Roman clubs? Or one of the Ding. clubs based in Rome? It
1: is from one of the okay. Roman... He is from one of the Roman clubs. Yep.
3: Okay, so... Is this player from Lazio? He is a Lazio player. Okay. Good
1: is, night, this, Kev. is this player a midfielder? He oh um no, he's not a midfielder. Kev, it's your turn.
2: Yeah. Okay. So oh, yeah.
1: Remember, it's an audio feature, right? So you kind of got to talk yeah, us oh, through. No,
2: yes, yeah, uh, are, are they an attacker?
1: <laughs> nope.
2: Okay. You hesitated on midfielder, so I thought there's two there's two ways I can go here, front or back. Yeah. And also, I think, I really haven't sort of kept up to speed with some signings, so if there's a new signing or they've left, then I could... Okay, I could
3: well, use. that
1: could be a question, so I'm not going to respond to that.
2: Okay.
3: All right, I'll just go. I don't know him. Is it Thomas Strakosha?
1: It's not Thomas Strakosha. No, I will use this opportunity. You've both had as many guesses to just run you through. So he's not a Parma player. He's not an Napoli player. He's not a midfielder. He's not the Lazio goalkeeper. He's not Italian, and he is a Lazio player, and he's not an attacker. all you know is that he's a Lazio player. He's not an attacker, he's not a midfielder, and he's not their first-choice goalkeeper.
2: Yeah, so I'm going to have a punt at a defender to get it over with. And I know you're uh, partial to my guess's brother, so is it Jordan Lukaku?
1: I cannot believe it. We have started the season with a huge upset. The player (laughs) is Jordan Lukaku mainly because of his brother, I won't lie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> excellent workout. How are you feeling?
2: Because I, I went through the bat line, I thought Italian, Italian, possibly not the Brazilian that I can't think of the name of. <laughs> uh, Luis Felipe. Yeah, I would have guessed Felipe. Luis Felipe then, last, then Bastos, to be honest. And then I thought, well, no, he's not gone Radu. Is Radu even <laughs> still there? And uh, so I thought, oh, let's go Lukaku.
1: Very well done. I did have to check that Lukaku was still there, to be honest. But yeah, very, very well done. Right, guys, it's been a pleasure to have you back on the pod, listeners. Uh, forgive us for not doing a season preview pod, but professionalism is lacking, I suppose. But we're we're very much back now. Regular service has resumed. I think you'll forgive us, given that we did like three a week during the restart. That was a bit much. But here we go. <laughs> Yeah, it was. It was. But we're back now, one a week, hopefully for the foreseeable future. Um thank you and good night. Night night. Ciao ciao.
0: No one kicks when you It's a big